My name is Cherokee Bill. Now let it be known that I don't particularly enjoy violence. That being said, you are currently in company of extremely violent individuals. So, don't do no stupid shit, all right? Get off this train now, you motherless scum. You must be the hero. Great spirit, why is there always one? You're rude. I might actually enjoy inflicting violence on you. But who knows? Maybe you'll win. Let's see. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Red String Movie Podcast, a podcast where everything is connected. I'm your host, Jacob Thompson. Joining me is my friend, co-host, and the person most likely to kill somebody with a stick of dynamite instead of his gun, Alex Perkins. Perk, how are you doing tonight? Yeah, uh, guns are just too boring, you know? They're too boring. Yeah, you gotta go out with a bang. Now, I will say, are you gonna light the dynamite and throw it, or are you gonna throw dynamite and then shoot the dynamite out of the air? Because both, you know, pros and cons there. Um... Probably strap it around my chest and run at him, give him a big bear hug, and then mm. dive into a tank of gasoline with a lit match. Yep. Okay, that's a lot of that's a lot of steps. Yep, but, but it's not boring. Yeah. It's not boring. Can't tell me it's boring. That'd be the big action set PC in the movie right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, welcome back to the Red Stream Movie Podcast, everyone. As always, you can find our show on Friday mornings on Podcast Services. This is the podcast where every week we review a movie that is connected to the previous one. Last week we reviewed The Five Bloods, and this week we're reviewing The Harder They Fall with our connection being, did we pick which person we wanted to connect? We'll do Delroy Lindo. Yeah, we'll do Delroy. Delroy Lindo is our connection, even though we had a few options this week. Right. Um, Just because he was so outstanding last week. He is so good. Uh, But yeah, if you like our show, tell your friend about it and make them listen to it because, you know, we want some more listeners, but conscript listeners for us thank you thank you let's get into it yeah so uh the harder they fall this is a 2021 2021 joint uh directed by james samuel uh it is a black western uh which centers around uh, a fictional tale using characters who were real uh black people in the old west so most of the characters were real people, but this actual mm-hmm. scenario, this, the story, uh, uh, didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it stars um, Jonathan Majors and Zazie Beetz and Delroy Lindo and Lakeith Stanfield and Regina <laughs> King and uh, everyone left, right, and center. Just a star-studded mm-hmm. cast. Idris Elba as the mm-hmm. as the big bad. Um, and yeah, it's it's a uh, it's it's a cool it's a fun little western, uh, not too long, maybe a little longer than needed to be, but uh, pretty pretty watchable. Um, but yeah, I got a couple uh, fun facts for you. Uh, mm-hmm. Zazie Beetz speaks fluent German and did her own dub for the German version of the film. Um, there are multiple uh, homages paid uh, to. People such as uh, Chadwick Boseman and uh, Jay Z, who produced the movie, and uh, the uh... oh yeah, so the 
reason why some of the music sounds familiar is because uh, similar to the 2013 Great Gatsby, James Samuel and Jay-Z both worked on that soundtrack. Uh, mm. James Samuel did the soundtrack for this movie as well, which is why some of the similar vibes carry over. Nice. Yeah. I think one other fact I want to mention that I, was, I peeked at was um, a quarter of all cowboys were black. Yeah. Which I did not know that. Forgot to mention cool. that one, but yes, that's a really something that comes as a surprise <laughs> just because of all of the media representation of cowboys. You know? Oh, yeah, like the millions of westerns that have come out, and there's been like next to no black westerns or just black cowboys. So uh, it was really fun to see this movie. And I, it's a little bit getting ahead of ourselves, but when they go to the white town and oh, everything yeah. is white, oh my God, that's hilarious. But, uh, Perk, what do you think of this movie overall? Uh, this might be my favorite Western. Mm. Yep. Uh, I'm not one of those, uh, chads who calls Star Wars a Western, but <laughs> it's I a think... a space opera. Right. I think, like, <laughs> actual Western, this one might be my favorite, uh, just because I, like, it's fantastic and not too many others come to mind. Like, I've seen, like, Good, Bad, and the Ugly, I've seen, I don't know, just Dances with Wolves count as a Western, I I don't know. I don't do much in the genre, I suppose. Uh, I like the show Westworld, the first season at least, but mm -hmm. that's a different medium. So, yeah, I'm a big fan. Yeah, I'm in a similar place. This, this is a fun movie. It's just super fun to watch. The action's great. I think it's shot great. The music is fun. Um, all of the acting is, like, great, and just all the, all the characters are very, um, like, they, they play off each other well. And it's just a fun time. Like I don't, I don't really have too. I think too like negative to say about it. I, mean, I have a few critiques uh, over like over the course of the movie, but overall, what a fun time. Would highly recommend. I, of the westerns I've seen, which are not a lot like you, and I certainly haven't watched one lately. Uh, this was just. Uh, I think it was very good at like paying homage to a lot of western tropes, but also having some good surprises in there and kind of being like more realistic in some cases and less realistic in others uh, to kind of just come together as a very just fun movie um so yeah i really liked it yeah so i'll i'll throw in a little light spoiler to my suggestion based on this movie um mm. the first thing that came to mind is uh the prime show invincible mm. uh, because these these two like the show and the in this movie uh are both like versions of a like a type of film yeah. or show that yeah. uh, aren't subversive. You would think maybe they are. They're not subversive. Mm -hmm. They're just really fresh uh, takes on their you know respective yeah. genres. So like Invincible is still just a superhero show. It's not like an uh, undoing of that. You know, as a mm -hmm. as an idea, it's a. It's just like a fresh, different way to, to attack it, uh, and like this, this movie st is still very much just a western. It's not very subversive when it comes to mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. undoing any tropes of westerns, but it's really fresh and it's really well done. Uh, and yeah, I think uh, they kind of kind of fill a similar spot for me. So that's that would yeah, be yeah. My... I totally hear what you're saying. Yeah, I, I'll. I'll... I will say I think the twist in Invincible is better than the twist in this movie. 
fast forwarding to the end. Well, see, I when... I have I have a take for you on that, but yeah, continue. Give me the take. Well, yeah, I'll just say like you know, in the movie, Idris Elba reveals that he's Nat Love's half brother, um, which in the moment I thought was cool, and I like, didn't see it coming. But then I realized I didn't see it coming because it wasn't foreshadowed at all. <laughs> um, so I think that it could have been a it was a little bit superfluous possibly, and I think I could have gone for a little more foreshadowing or building up their relationship a little bit more. But it was it was fine. It was a fine little twist at the end, a little something extra for you. Um, but yeah, what's what's your hot take, Burke? Yeah, so I think that that's actually that's just another. This movie actually does follow a lot of tropes. I think that's mm-hmm. a trope from westerns. Where there's a mm. plot twist at the end that isn't set up and makes no sense because it wasn't <laughs> like it, it like this twist at the end of the movie isn't earned uh, and doesn't mm-hmm. feel like it needs to be there. But that's mm-hmm. just the thing that happens in Western movies where it's like, dun dun dun, he was the bad guy. And mm-hmm. we, we never let on that he was the bad guy because it seems like just something that they threw on at the end, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I, I think it was, uh, it was almost like a tip of the cap to old westerns to just have like a stupid plot twist at the end of the movie <laughs> that makes no sense. But does that that goes back to our conversation we've had before of like just because you're aware of something that's bad does that make it does that excuse it? And I don't know if it does in this case. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm sure. I think aware I think in this one it's okay because it's in my opinion it's pretty clear that it was put in there for that reason. I agree with you though. Like in in the moment, like just breaking it down for straight up for what it is it's not a good twist without foreshadowing and mm-hmm. yeah it feels unearned it definitely does but i i think it's yeah it's in there for a reason I, that that's yeah. my uh my spin well, on I, it. I think the reason the reason that i'm a little bit disappointed about it is because I, I think it would have it would have been a great twist with some more foreshadowing i think that's a really cool angle like, i mean because the opening scene of this is very compelling of him just coming in shoots the, the mom shoots the dad and then you know gives him the scar and you're like why and why did this happen you know and then we get into his whole motivation being he wants to make this kind of oasis um but he's like willing to you know hurt people to get it essentially but then it comes back to just oh wait I'm your half brother and that kind of drops off I, it's like Idris Elba's character I think is presented in a very cool way he's kind of presented kind of like a beast you know like we get a lot of um shots of like just like his POV um like when they or even when they first like unlock him out of the jail cell on the train he's like all in darkness and like steps out kind of like a beat like he's very beast like and i really love that i think he's presented very well but i think when it actually comes down to it when he does start talking and talking about his motivations they're all the parts are interesting but i don't think they put them together very well to make like a you know a great villain but i think like he's very intimidating and very cool it's just like his motivation i think were wasn't fully there yeah no i think uh i think he he also falls into kind of a kind of that old western type style where it's just like he's bad guy who's bad but mm-hmm. isn't really a character you know like yeah he idris Elba's great i think that kind of a running theme for a lot of the characters and actors in this movie is they are good performances but they're not like outstanding because they just don't have that much to do yeah like or a lot of time there's so many characters they have to touch on exactly yeah with such a such a broad cast you know like Lakeith mm-hmm. Stanfield is fantastic. Uh, he's, he's one of my one of my favorite actors, bar none. But he mm-hmm. he doesn't really have all that much to do other than just kind of like casually talk, you know. So yeah, but that's um, why I liked him so much because he was so casual. This whole yeah. Movie. Oh yeah. He's just like I don't. He, he's I, I made this 
like catch my mind. He's he's my Shikamaru in this movie. Yeah, um, I buy that. The, the I always love this anime character that's very lazy but very talented, but is like doesn't want to do shit. And he is very much that this week. Tricky feels like oh, I guess I gotta do this, but he's also just like an insanely good, you know, oh, uh, sharpshooter. Yeah. So. The uh, the line, why did they always take so long to count? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. shit was so it's so <laughs> perfect. Which like I'll be honest, I did not see that coming. I didn't see him just blasting him before the standoff because that was such a built-up standoff and you wanted to see it so bad like nope you're not getting it i actually i did see that coming because the way that the shot was framed you know so it's like Mm -hmm. a wide and then after he says like one or two it zooms in it's just beckworth's face and i'm like yeah a bullet's coming like (laughs) that's, that's how this is gonna go um, I did really like how we didn't hear him unholster the gun. We just heard the gunshot. Just yeah. To, like, emphasize how fast he was. Um, and we did get the setup earlier of Cuff saying that she was... Or, was Cuff or Cuffy? Cuffy. It was Cuffy. Cuffy saying that she thought that she was faster than Bexworth. Um, and then we get that payoff for her shooting Tricky Bill. So that was all set up in, like, great. Um, but I was like, damn. I like Bexworth. That he's he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> he's dead, like, so quickly in this final fight. He was really funny. <laughs> he was great for a quip. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I the whole cast was just like very fun. Like him yep. and uh, Pickett was great. Um, I really like Zazie Beetz character. I think they. Uh, I think one of my biggest grapes on this podcast is bad uh, female characters, and I like she had a, like a ton of agency. And when she does get captured, it was like her fault. Like she chose to do that, and she's like, "You're not gonna tell me what to do. I'm gonna go do this on my own because I want to help out." And it, you know, fucked her over. But I, I didn't. Like the damsel in the stress trope has been done a million times in Western, but I didn't really hate it in this because it was her full decision. And she wasn't like, oh, please save me, like, crying and shit. She's like, no, nah, like, do what you want to do. I got myself in this mess, you know? Yeah, so, no. I liked her a lot. Uh, you're right. The damsel in distress trope, it's another on the checklist of tropes that this movie covers. Mm-hmm. But they they stay on it briefly, you know? They, they don't yeah. hammer it home that she's like, oh, dear, help me. Um, mm-hmm. Because, mm-hmm. you know, they, they get her get her free pretty quickly and then uh and then she gets to just go start beating people up so like yeah, yeah. she's <laughs> still a, a strong enough character yeah where uh yeah we get that most insane... of the damsels are just tokens oh exactly and we get that insane fight between her and trudy oh which, yeah like you're in a movie where everyone's getting shot you're like nah we're gonna have like a knockout drag out I, you know fist fight this is another <laughs> one of those spots where i'm like this is just this is just leaning into it. It's because they're mm-hmm. running around this this hut and they're picking up like pitchforks <laughs> and yeah. yeah, like a pipe that's laying around or mm-hmm. the, like I was like, what's next? They're gonna grab like a balloon animal or something. It's just <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's awesome. Yeah, it was a fun time. And then uh, yeah, I, I thought Trudy was also like very intimidating. She was. Great. I don't know if we needed the cliffhanger at the end that she's still alive. It's like, what would a sequel to this movie even be? I, but, think, uh, I think that's another one where it's just like they a Western <laughs> would probably leave you on a cliffhanger. So, no, I wouldn't. Yeah, then, I wouldn't uh, be anticipating a sequel, but I I would happily watch one. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, then we got the two sheriffs. We got Delroy Lindo and Dion Cole. Which didn't know Dion Cole's in this movie. I love Dion Cole. I'm like hell yeah, dude. Playing like this kind of. I do. I love that fake out scene where he's. You think he's yeah. talking to yeah. Idris with eating the steak, and then he's he's not. He's just practicing. And then Fantastic he, characterization right there. And he goes outside and gets his teeth knocked out. Mm-hmm. That's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I no. I think it's unfortunate that I think I caught a trailer. I watched a trailer for this one, which. I wish I hadn't of, because mm. uh, 
like Idris Elba and Dion Cole are buried in the casting. Like mm-hmm. if if I didn't see a picture of this movie with Idris Elba on it and he had been like that scene where he steps out of the darkness, it would have been yeah. so cool if I didn't know it was already yeah. going to be Idris Elba, but kind of mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. and I don't think it would have been detractory cuz I know that people think having Matt Damon in Interstellar was detracted because it was distracting. I liked it because mm. I was really surprised because I was like, oh, what the hell? Yeah, um, it's Matt Damon. <laughs> yeah, and I think I, w- I would have very much enjoyed had I not known Idris Elba was the big bad. Uh, yeah, I don't think it would have detracted because when you see Idris Elba, you're like, oh, he's a badass. Yeah. You know, when you see Matt Damon, you're like, oh, it's Matt Damon. I wonder what he's going to be up to. Right, you know? right, but yeah. But with Idris Elba, you're like, oh, fuck yeah, it's Idris Elba. He's the bad guy. Like, that, it just fits where Matt Damon it goes back to the Ben Affleck problem it's like they've done so much shit it's like alright what are they doing this time another white guy doing something uh, but Idris is just like total badass so I love it um, I also I really liked how Dion Cole died where he just yeah. shot the bag of dynamite holding fucking awesome dude <laughs> <laughs> that was great yeah the action of this movie was really it was fantastic really solid I, you felt like every time somebody got shot it seemed like you felt it you know yeah um, the blood splatter was like a little more than you know. It was realism a little, or maybe a little but, Tarantino-y, little, like, but not too much. You like, know? No, like a goofy. light Tarantino. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it was a perfect balance, and just like how everything was shot was great, and just like all the lively colors. Like I think the cinematography was really good in this movie. Yeah, so that that's actually probably for me the biggest strength of this movie is how it was shot, and the set design, and and mm-hmm. the cinematography, and everything because. Westerns, aesthetically, are so goddamn boring. They're just... They're so brown, dude. Everything's brown (laughs) and washed out and just not interesting to look at. And then this movie Mm -hmm. comes along and everything is full of color. And I know Mm -hmm. that that's, like, metaphorical or whatever, obviously. uh, That the West had a lot more color in it than uh, the media would lead you to believe. But, like the just the everything was so lively and so like beautifully colored and colors everywhere mm-hmm. and then to contrast it by going to that white town oh my god i, I loved that so much i like <laughs> let out like a hearty guffaw when when yeah, that yeah. when that <laughs> happened that shit was so funny no i love so that. fucking funny dude it, and um, it was such a surprise it was fantastic no and the stark contrast too makes like that the whole setup and shot was also just beautiful because it's like, whoa, mm-hmm. really jumps mm-hmm. out of you that, hold on, we're very clearly in a white town now. <laughs> even, even like the dirt was white. Like yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so, so awesome. I, I, yeah, I, I, I lost my shit when they got there. I'm like, this is fucking awesome. I love this movie. <laughs> Definitely. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really like the soundtrack. I think it was very fun and maybe like a little bit distracting at times, but overall, I'm just like, we're here to have a good time. Like, I'm not going to, you know, it's getting me in the mood and I'm enjoying it. So, um, this is something that, uh, like a lot of people pointed out when The Great Gatsby came out, they mm. said that it was weird and off-putting that like at, in a 19, what is it, 1930s? I don't remember, but. Something uh, like that, yeah. Yeah. In, in a like giant rich person mansion, why are they playing? like Jay-Z songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I kind of agree. I think in that movie, uh, a lot of the music feels very out of place. 
But mm. in this movie, I think it works really well. Because, mm. I mean, what you're replacing is basically nothing. Like, whistles and tumbleweeds <laughs> is usually the mm-hmm. the theme song for westerns. But the, the way it works, because they do have some of that, like, traditional western score type sounds. But mm-hmm. the way they splice in, like, some reggae and, and some soul. It, yeah. It's fantastic. It's really good. I... Mm-hmm. I yeah, it's maybe it's like a personal contradiction of mine to say that it worked much better in this in this movie, but I love it. Like when they're just like riding out of a town and there's like some light reggae playing in the background. Yeah, you're just like this is it's, I'm feeling it. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> it works so well. It, you you would have never thought, but yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. awesome. I I loved the soundtrack. The only time I thought it was distracting was there was one song that sampled old school like gunshot noises. Like the ping pong, like that oh, yeah, was yeah. like a part of it, and that they're playing that song during a gunfight. So like, okay, which song gunshots are in the song, and which are actually <laughs> happening? And I was like, it took me out of it for a second. Sure, um, but yeah, no, I'm with you. It, it was, and it's not like they were playing those songs in universe, right? So it was just like it was more of like a tone setter, and it was just a very, very fun time. Definitely, yeah. Anything else you want to touch on? I think we, we kind of hit most of the. The points here. I mean, yeah, I suppose we were kind of brief on acting, but like Jonathan Majors is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, Idris Elba, I, I don't think has much to do. He's good. Um, I think Regina King is probably another standout. Um, she mm-hmm. has some pretty intense monologues. Um, Lakeith Stanfield is really good at what he does, so he, he mm-hmm. knocked it out of mm-hmm. the park. But yeah, all the all the actors were good. Zazie Beats is great. Um, yeah, all the all the acting is good. There's not a bad performance, but there's yeah. there's maybe not too many outstanding performances. Yeah, I agree. It's like yeah, there's nothing bad, nothing amazing. Everything's just like super solid. Everyone's playing their character great. Um, one other thing I, I forgot to mention was I really liked how in the middle of the movie we get um, Rufus and Nat meeting. You know, when he has him tied up and he's like, yeah. I put that on your forehead, Tiger. Recognize you, you came back to me. <laughs> And then having to go part again and then come back again. I like that setup. Maybe that is a trope too. I don't know. Even the villain early. But I like that a lot. I think it, it added more. And I, I almost wish when they met then, Idris would have told him the first half of the story he told him at the end of the movie. So that would have been the foreshadowing setup. Oh, yeah. About, about his dad. But yeah, I, I, I like wonder that. if they didn't want to do it because Tree just gave her monologue about her upbringing. Yeah. So it would have been like too back. So I, I think it's a little bit messy there because like you want both. But Trudy is really fucking good. Yep. And it's like you can't do that and Idris at the same time. So I got to understand maybe they why they didn't. But uh, yeah, I, I like them meeting halfway to kind of build that tension a little bit. So yeah, uh, that is Harley Fall. Let's get into our recommendations. And is Invincible your, your main recommendation for this one? Yeah, I suppose I'd throw uh, another on there just because I yeah, have not watched a lot of Westerns, I suppose. Um, but Hell or High Water. Uh, oh yeah which has already been recommended i think on the show Mm -hmm. but yeah it's a really good movie not so much a western as just kind of a western setting but it has some of the similar vibes for sure uh the ones i have are really really old westerns (laughs) that i watched when i was a kid um and i remember liking them at the time i have no idea if they hold up so i'll just say them and you can take with it what you will uh first one is my name is nobody i think it's more of like a comedy uh western and a similarity to this movie is that it, in this movie we have um bexworth thinking he's the fastest draw 
you know, and, and the main character in that one, nobody is trying to be the fastest draw. Um, so anyway, super old Western. And then the other one I watched for AP US history, I believe, Perk, because we had to, like, watch a movie and then report on it or something. Uh, so this is Gunfight at the OK Corral. Ooh. This is a very long movie, I remember. <laughs> it's a very long Western, but I love it because it does the thing of in between every scene, there's a little music playing and the lyrics are just recapping what just happened and it's hilarious <laughs> nice. and I, I fucking love that and it ends in a massive gunfight at the okay corral as you might imagine so yeah um if you want I, a couple uh, old westerns there you go i got i got one more to throw on there that just came to mind a, a pretty recent one the ballad of buster scruggs oh yeah which is that's coen brothers right yeah coen brothers it's on netflix and it's a it's an anthology um but there's some there's some funny stuff about like quick draws and <laughs> and outlaws and yeah it's a it's a good it for an anthology it's really good so oh yeah uh all right well that's our review for the harder they fall let's now get into our bonus reviews i'm gonna go to you first perk which one do you want to start with um how about uh the last black men in san francisco right. uh which i have been recommended to watch for a couple of years now, I suppose, since pretty much since when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a uh, inaugural first-time director and first-time star actor. Um, and it is based off of the lead actor's real-life experience. Basically, mm-hmm. it's about him, and he lives in San Francisco, and he's trying to fight to get back a house that his grandfather built that they lost um, through generations. And uh, it focuses around this house and and this guy's plight and trying to squat and trying to work things out. Uh, And it uh, co-stars Jonathan Majors, who this is the third movie of his I've seen in (laughs) like 10 days. Um, (laughs) And this is by far and away his best performance of the Mm. three. Uh, He's really... Just he's a a little bit of an off kilter type character, just an odd duck, but he has some very very powerful scenes in that movie, um, and it's interesting to see because if you watch that movie without knowing, no idea that it's a first time director, mm. no shot in hell that this is the first acting performance for the lead actor. <laughs> he is he's absolutely fantastic. Jimmy Fails is his name. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's on Showtime. Uh, so if you're privileged enough to have Showtime, I would certainly <laughs> uh, give that movie a watch. Just a really creative story about a, a guy from San Francisco and and uh, his struggles. Oh, yeah. I think, if I remember correctly, that director had done some music videos maybe, but Could not be. a movie. Uh, yeah, I think um, he's done uh, short films as well. So that this films, was yeah. actually just their... His feature debut and the lead actor's feature debut as well. Because I think he's also done a couple shorts. Nice. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. Uh, I watched Turning Red this week. Uh, Oh, I'm curious. The new new Pixar movie that just came out. Um, What a fun movie. I've really, really enjoyed it. This is one of the funniest Pixar movies I've seen in recent memory or that I can remember just overall. This movie is very, very funny. You can... Uh, if you haven't heard of it, Turning Red is about a, um, uh, how old is she, 13-year-old 
uh, Chinese Canadian girl um, who is kind of starting to go through puberty and like figure out who she is when she suddenly gets the ability to turn into a giant red panda whenever her emotions kind of get very strong. Um, and it's kind of a meta commentary on puberty and like getting your period, but also kind of coming of age, you know, kind of stuff, which perk, I know you don't always love coming of age. Uh, what? No but. way. Another coming of age movie. <laughs> um, yeah, this movie is just really fun. Like I, I know the director, um, so the director directed the Pixar short bow that came out. Oh, that's one of the ago. best. One of the best ones. Absolutely. I rewatched it after turning red and goddamn, I cried. It's so good. Um, a lot of similar themes as Bao as well, but um, I know this movie is based a lot on her own experience, and um, you can tell it's like very heavily inspired by anime because there's a lot of like reaction shots where the art style just changes, and it's really really cool and well done. And the art style overall is a little bit different for Pixar. It's a little more like chibi, but not like to the extent that it's distracting. It's really it's a very beautiful movie, and I really like the art style of it overall. But um, yeah, just what a what a fun time! Like if you just want to have a few laughs and maybe maybe a little cry and just a solid you know another Pixar movie definitely give it a watch it's on Disney plus um yeah I don't have much more to say on it just it's a good time all right yeah okay well I, uh, next one perfect. yeah I've got one more for you uh in my trek to power through all the best picture nominees I watched drive my car uh, which is mm-hmm. a three hour long Japanese film. Um, and it is about, uh, a theatrical actor and his, uh, he is married to, uh, a TV writer and she passes almost at the very start of the film. Uh, mm-hmm. and it goes, the story follows this man, this actor, as he, uh, is contracted to, direct a play for a theater festival that he has starred in in the past. Um, and it goes through that whole process and uh, his interactions with actors, his interactions with his driver, the name of the movie Drive My Car is because he's he has glaucoma, so the theater company is forced to have him have a driver. Mm. Uh, and the movie delves really deeply into, into her character as well. Um, this is a movie that, similar to... Um, Power of the Dog, uh, about 45 minutes in, I thought this is going to be another one of those everyone says it's great, I don't <laughs> get it type movies. Mm-hmm. But it it turns out it's such a powerful movie. Just mm. it, it's, it's long, it's three hours long, but it uses that time to really delve deeply into a lot of different characters uh, and their interactions. And since it's revolving around uh the production of a play there are some acting scenes that are just brilliant and and uh some interactions between actors and uh it's it's another movie like uh, Macbeth right where mm-hmm. it's a movie about a play Macbeth isn't but this is a movie about a play that reads like a play like mm-hmm. the the shot selection the the scene choreography a lot of dialogues um it it feels like a play but in a good way uh okay. very good and I, it's to the point where i'm thinking i should 
go rewatch Fences at some point because one of my biggest slights on that movie was it feels too much like a play. Yeah, I'm right now, on that one. But now I've watched a couple movies this year where uh, they read like plays, and I think it's a good thing. So maybe I'll have mm-hmm. to give that one another shot. But yeah, definitely emotional powerhouse type movie um, that like doesn't gloss over grief. It it really digs deep. Uh, would certainly recommend it if you've got the time and if you've got <laughs> HBO Max. Um, but yeah, that's uh, Drive My Car. I I was I, I was concerned that when I saw that this Japanese movie was nominated for Best Picture, that it was just the fake woke Oscars trying to, you know, after Parasite, trying to make sure that they, mm-hmm. oh, well, now we got to have a foreign language film every year. But mm-hmm. uh, it <laughs> certainly is there on its own merit. It's not a, it's not a uh, diversity pick. It's a fantastic mm-hmm. movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. I've, I've been worried to watch it because with a three-hour runtime, it's like, is it really worth it? Like, is it use that all that time well? Um, See, so yeah, I'm glad to hear that it's definitely yeah. Uh, the uh, worth to watch introduction is maybe a little long, um, but other than that, yeah, it's it's riveting. Oh yeah. Well, the last thing I want to talk about is something we both watched, which is the Letterkenny International Women's Day holiday oh, special yeah. uh, <laughs> that dropped on International Women's Day. Um, so Letterkenny, every once in a while, we'll do these holiday episodes. It'll come out on the holiday that they're, you know, doing for the episodes they've done. St. Patrick's Day, Valentine's Day, Christmas, Easter, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they they'd kind of expended all of the main holidays. So I was like kind of wondering, like, okay, when are we get another holiday special? And I was surprised to see this one. I'd say, what, Perk? This might be my favorite one. Might be my... Uh, St. Patrick's Day is up there, but I think this might be my new favorite holiday episode. I fucking love this episode so much. Uh, we get the reveal of a character we've been hearing about for a very long time in Professor Trisha. Uh, <laughs> great to see her make an appearance. And this episode was just funny as hell. Like, oh, like the entire anti-beauty pageant was so fucking funny. Oh, it was great. I just, I, I love this episode. Um, I agree. I think this episode is fantastic. Uh, I like the Professor Trisha bit where, of course, mm-hmm. she has to be gorgeous. Um, <laughs> but then also she kind of knocks down some some of like Dan's uh, misconceptions about, you know, Mm -hmm. like women's rights and women's choices and everything. And Mm -hmm. uh, the anti-beauty pageant is great. Uh, Lots of fantastic banter involved with that. Fantastic. Um, It won't for me, it won't edge my favorite holiday special, which is Valentine's day. Really? (laughs) Yeah. I love the Valentine's with the speed dating. (laughs) It's freaking hilarious. I mean, it's good, but like St. Patrick's day, with the hangover spin That's uh, a good one too, yeah. It's, it's good. But I mean um, they're they're all good. They're all good. But I, I think why this episode was so I, I liked it so much because it's been doing what Letterkenny's been doing recently, which is like eighty percent comedy, ten percent educational, and ten percent heartfelt. And that's just like the winning formula for me. Because we get like I said, we get like fucking hilarious banter and just hilarious things. Like fucking Stuart being so goddamn cringy of like trying to hit on Professor Trisha and just like <laughs> the craziest shit ever. Um, plus the anti-beauty tragedy. We get like some nice women's history um, in the men's side of things, which I, I fucking love what Daryl's talking about um, Bondar and yeah. Wayne's just like, Oh, that's like, Bondar. Like Bondar. Yeah. That's <laughs> but then we get the great moment at the end of Wayne and Katie, like the nice heartfelt moment. So like, yep. it's just everything you need. Like it's, it's so good. I loved it. No, I think it's a, uh... 
it's a good episode to have too for a show that sometimes I have to remind myself, you know, that it's it is what it is because it occasionally it'll almost bridge on like exploitative, like mm-hmm. with some some lingering shots of like women's bodies and mm-hmm. but you know like. You have to think that if it were problematic, the women in the show would have a problem with it. Yeah. Um, of course, it's not that simple, but uh, yeah, it's about, you know, it's expression that you're comfortable with. And if you're comfortable with expressing your body, you should be allowed to do it. Yeah. Like, yeah, we. I totally expected Trisha to just absolutely roast Riley and Jonesy, and she doesn't. She's like, yeah. you know, maybe don't call their asses shitters, but like everything else is like, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, if you haven't watched it and you're a fan of Letter Kenny, definitely check out that holiday special. I feel like it kind of came out with not a lot of fanfare. Um, I almost missed it even dropping. So yeah, actually, yeah. I only saw it a few days later. Saw that it was on there. I was like, oh, all right. Yeah, check it out. So, all right. Well, that is our episode for this week. Next week, we're watching one of Perk's favorite movies. Sorry like, to bother you. Yeah, all, all the movies, all these weird ass movies are just like my favorite. But yeah, this <laughs> this is absolutely a movie that you're going to need a seatbelt on your couch for because <laughs> it'll it'll just toss you right out like <laughs> yeah I know, uh, I'm, I'm very excited uh yeah my little brother just watched this one and he said was absolutely not ready for blank and i'm like yeah <laughs> like that's fair <laughs> uh so yeah sorry about you on netflix with our connection being like stanfield yep. you're just the best oh God, love so key stanfield like everything I've seen of him, he's just incredible. Anyway, sorry to bother you on Netflix for next week. Uh, but until next time, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye bye.